Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this playoff installment of the Steel Conversation Second Edition. Last week, we brought to you the wild card edition of the Steel Conversation Playoff Edition. The Steelers defeated the Bengals uh, in Cincinnati. It was an ugly black and blue old school affair, 18 to 16, but the Steelers uh, won the heavyweight bout and they are moving on and they face Denver Broncos. Uh, the top seed of Denver Broncos in the AFC Divisional round of the playoffs on Sunday in Denver at 4.40 p.m. Eastern time. And, and good enough to join us uh, to give you the most uh, in-depth and insightful Steeler podcast we can. We're bringing in Ian McHugh from the Denver Broncos on 24-7 Sports to give us the opposition's view. He did it a month ago for us, did a great job. So we're happy to have him uh, back on the podcast now. And, uh, Ian, we'll, let's just get things started. Uh, injuries has been the, the huge news for the Steelers uh, since the win over the, uh, the Bengals last Saturday. Uh, Antonio Brown still in concussion protocol is not practiced yet this week. Um, Friday will be the last tr- uh, chance for Brown to try to practice. D'Angelo Williams continues to uh, be bothered by a foot injury. Actually went to North Carolina to see a foot specialist for his right foot that he injured in the regular season finale. Uh, Tomlin, Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday he is an outside chance to play uh, this Sunday. And then Ben Roethlisberger, uh, he is has two injuries that he has reported uh, since being sacked by uh, the Bengals. Vontae's perfect last Saturday has an AC uh, joint sprain and also has ligament damage in his throwing arm. Uh, he's been limited the last two days, uh, but he's yet to throw a football in practice. He said he's just been going through mental reps, trying to get uh, the mental side of his game down as he tries to face the Broncos' top-ranked defense on Sunday. Steelers' defense is very healthy, about as healthy as you can be, at this point in the season, Cameron Haywood, Ryan Shazier were two Steelers defensive players that missed Wednesday's practice. They were back on Thursday as they look to be full strength on defense against uh, Denver. Uh, but, Ian, I wanted to talk to you about a uh, couple of things. I do want to start talking about Denver's injuries. But first, um, talk to me about where Denver, their season has gone since week, their Week 15 loss to the Steelers. Uh, they had the lead in that game, 27-10. to 10. Uh, Pittsburgh kicked a field goal right before the half. They win that game 34-27. Uh, to 27. It, it looked to me that Osweiler, Brock Osweiler, had a, suffered an injury, and he really hasn't been the same since. Talk to me about where Denver's season has gone since then, and, and also uh, give the Steeler fans an update on how they're dealing with their injuries. Yeah, Brian, I mean, uh, you know, just two two games in between there since that first game against the Steelers. The Broncos obviously won both of them, but they were both pretty eventful games and pretty close games. It wasn't really pretty, to be honest with you. Uh, they they beat the Bengals in overtime on Monday night a few weeks back, right after Christmas. Um, they they played pretty poorly in that game for a lot of it. They were able to, to come back and win it in overtime, um, and the defense came up with a big turnover at the end, which has really been a theme of the season. The defense just has this ability to force turnovers in really critical moments, and it's it's turned so many games in the Broncos' favor. Um, so that was kind of a familiar story there. 
and then the Chargers actually gave them much more of a fight than maybe people expected. Um, they didn't play well in that game either. I think they turned the ball over four or five times. I mean, they fumbled three times uh, in the first three quarters. They lost all three of them. Osweiler threw two interceptions. They weren't really bad throws, but regardless, they became interceptions. So that was pretty ugly. They hung on for a 27-20 win. So not, I guess, you know, the type of victories that are going to make you think that this team is unbeatable heading into the playoffs, but, you know, they got the two wins, and that was surprisingly enough to get that top seed in the AFC. They're only 12-4, and but this year that was enough to edge out the Patriots there and a few other teams for that top seed, which is important, but not not that important. I mean, I think home field is something that can help, but it's not going to change the game. On the uh, injury front, uh, they're they're looking pretty good. They were really banged up after that Chargers game, but that's why that extra week, the bye, came in so handy for them. Uh, Their free safety, Darian Stewart, had a hamstring issue he's been dealing with. The cornerback, Chris Harris, a Pro Bowl guy, one of the better corners out there, had a shoulder injury in that Chargers game. They both look like they'll be good to go for Sunday. Um, but without that extra week, it could have been trouble. Brock Osweiler is actually kind of the one guy on the fence right now. I'd say he has an MCL sprain in his knee that he suffered in that Chargers game before Peyton Manning came in. Obviously, he's not going to start this weekend, so maybe it's not a huge concern if he's not available, but it's something to think about because we don't really know how Manning's going to play. And if he doesn't play well, you know, where do they go if Osweiler's not available? So we could see the Broncos go with three quarterbacks here have three quarterbacks active. Um, but other than that, they're in, they're in pretty good shape overall, I'd say. And they only had a handful of guys mispractice today, I think maybe two guys, Osweiler being one of them. Um, so they, they should be in pretty good shape heading into this game. And they're going to need, I feel like, everybody they got to try to win this game the second time around. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a couple. one thing that you mentioned was kind of funny is that, you know, you said that, that, that Denver won managing to just win not just, but they won 12 games to get the top seed, which is funny because the number one seed has a 12-4 and four record, which is only two games better than the Jets, who had 10 wins and didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, really, that's the definition of, of parity in the AFC, just the NFL in general, when you look at the whole landscape of the league. Um, there's been some, uh, uh, I don't want to say trash talk, but some kind of back and forth between the two teams since the last game. Not as much as, as what's ensued after the Bengal game, where that it was, you know, there was news still leaking over from that game into, into Wednesday with uh, Packers mm-hmm. and Jones and whatnot. But, uh, you know, Chris Harris, not Chris Harris, but uh, uh, Stewart, uh, your defensive back, Darian Stewart, uh, had some choice words to say uh, about Cody Wallace, the Steelers uh, lineman who was penalized and fined for a late hit against uh, a Broncos player uh, in response to what he thought was a late hit on Antonio Brown. Uh, in the Steelers' Week 15 game against Denver. I, I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I guess talk about, uh, you know, what you expect to see Sunday. Do you do you expect to see the same chippiness that you saw in the steeler Bengal game and in the first steeler Bronco game? Or do you think there's there's just way too much on the line? You know, with Manning on your side, I'm sure, you know, exuding his leadership and Mike Tomlin on the Steelers' side, do you think that stuff's just going to be, you know, kind of you know smothered over and there was going to be a clean game on Sunday. Yeah, you know, it's hard to say, but I think that I think the Broncos are going to try their best to keep their composure to not let any of that stuff happen, but I think that some of it still might happen. I don't think it'll necessarily be as chippy as that first game was because as you said there's so much on the line, but I don't think you can just kind of toss that all out the window and say, "Oh, you know, I'm just going to keep my emotions out of this." It's easy to say that now. It's much harder to say that in the middle of a game 
you know, on Sunday. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. The Broncos coaches, I can tell you, are certainly making an effort to reinforce their players, you know, let's not get these personal foul penalties. Let's not do the stupid stuff that could lead to avoidable penalties that will hurt us. You know, we saw that pretty pretty obviously in the uh, game against the Bengals on Sunday. You know, we saw how much those penalties at the end hurt them, and the Broncos don't want a similar situation. Now, what's kind of interesting here is that personal fouls were a big problem for this team for probably, I'd say, the first half of the season. Uh, that was kind of the one knock against this defense. They'd get a lot of roughing the passer, some unnecessary roughness, stuff like that. And it wasn't dirty plays, I would say. It was just late hits and, and things that could have been avoided. And then I think they kind of developed a reputation to the point where officials had an eye out for this type of stuff. So they were able to, to kind of overcome that. It, it really wasn't much of a problem in the second half of the season, and the defense continued to play really well. Um, so they definitely do kind of walk that fine line between – aggressive and if you want to call it dirty or whatever they do walk a little bit of a fine line there but i think they're going to do their best to keep things under control on sunday and if anything happens it's probably going to involve cody Wallace just because of how upset the broncos were about that play and and how upset they still seem to be about it so um, i don't necessarily anticipate anything to happen but in the heat of the moment you know i don't think we could be surprised if if emotions did get the better of a few guys out there yeah, and I, and I think that's uh, – then you also have the NFL element, too, where, you know, I'm sure Goodell and whoever, you would think that they would have more of a, a strong stand and, and would have said something to both coaches and the officials. It's going to be the same officials that uh, did the Odell Beckham game, uh, the game that he pretty much just decided to take on the entire Panthers uh, defensive backfield by himself. <laughs> and then you had the Panthers who, I guess, had baseball bats on the field in pregame. So it's – it's not. It's the same head official, not the same crew as as they say. There's a quote unquote all star crew for these games, which I think is an oxymoron when you say all stars and officials. But I digress. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Peyton Manning. I, I feel like, you know, from a, from from a Steelers standpoint, you know, uh, there's there's the, the thought, you know, there's the memories of beating him back in 2005 when uh, the Bronc or the Colts were the number one seed, and everybody thought they would just you know, race towards the Super Bowl. I think they started that year, I think, 13-0, and um, finished 14-2 and in the regular season before the Steelers shocked them in the playoffs. So that whole uh, bent tackle after Jerome Bettis fumbled and, and all that stuff. That kind of started uh, more of the, the, the Manning kind of uh, knock on him. If there's one knock on him, it's that, you know, he's had these issues in the postseason. He's Owen, he, he's had a, a first game playoff exit nine times in his career, which – you can look at it two ways. One is that's amazing that he's gotten in the playoffs that many times. And B, you know, that's, that's not a good record, obviously, in, in your first playoff <laughs> game. Um, is there fear in Denver of, of, of that? You know, because I know in his three years, uh, prior playoff years in, in Denver, they've had uh, two one and dones, and then they went to the Super Bowl and, and pretty much self-destructed, which I don't, put, I don't really put solely on Manning. Uh, I just His team didn't show up, and when that happens, how much can a quarterback do? Um is there any of that in, in Denver? And, 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 you know, honestly, what's your expectation of meaning? To me, it seems like whoever wins the running game is, is going to win this game because neither quarterback, uh, can you can say right now with ease, can throw the ball 30 yards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's absolutely a concern because that's that's the narrative with Manning at this point, at this stage in his career. He can't win in the playoffs. You know, he, he flops in the playoffs. He puts up crazy numbers in the regular season and then, the postseason comes and he's not the same player. I don't think that's 
a totally fair narrative. I, I think that kind of hides a lot of the details there. But the bottom line is that's what people think when they think about Peyton Manning. Um, and his playoff record isn't particularly good. So, it's you know, you can't say that people are wrong for thinking that way. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a concern. It's definitely a topic. I feel like it's a topic every time, every year this time of year. Um, and, you know, it's this, this year is different to me because nobody really knows what to expect from him in general because you right. know, we've seen him play less than half a game since week 10. And week 10 was when he got benched for Osweiler in that game against Kansas City. He throws four picks, he gets benched, and then he's not even active until the regular season finale against the Chargers. He comes in in the second half. He's 5-9 and nine for 69 yards, I believe. You know, he got the job done, but he wasn't exactly carrying anyone. So the running game was doing a lot of the work in that game against the Chargers, and so it's really hard to know what player we're going to see on Sunday. Now, his teammates, the coaches, everybody's saying he looks as healthy as he has all season, and this torn plantar fascia, based on everything we know now, it seems like it might have come up before the season even started. But Again, how much was that affecting his play? We just don't really know. And so that's kind of the, the big question right now and a question that doesn't have a clear answer at the moment. Um, but, you know, they don't need him to be incredible. I really don't think they do. But he can't turn the ball over the way he did. He had 17 picks in nine games. I mean, that's just terrible. And I, I think he finished number two in the league, even though he, he sat out six or seven games. So when you consider all that, that's a problem. You know, he doesn't need to be Peyton Manning throwing for 370 yards and four touchdowns, but he can't be turning the ball over as much as he has this year, and I think that's really the key for him. But as far as what he can do, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, maybe he really will look like a different quarterback than he did earlier this season, but he didn't play well really at all this season. He had a few games here and there, like against the Packers, and uh, he was pretty solid against the Lions, but there was never – a point where you could say, oh, you know, that's when he really picked it up. It was a lot of back and forth, you know, two steps forward, one step back, that type of thing. And um, if he turns the ball over, that's obviously going to be a problem. Um, and, and I think you're right. The running game is going to be very important, just like it was against the Chargers in Week 17. Um, you know, the Broncos have two pretty solid running backs and C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman. Neither of them are what I would call star, but, you know, they're two different types of backs and they're two guys who can get the job done. And I do think that the running game needs to be working well to open up this offense because the offensive line is just not that good. And so if they, the Steelers can just rush the passer with, you know, five, six guys, that's just going to spell trouble for, for not only Manning, but really the whole offense in my mind. So they do need to stay balanced and they need to find a way to run the ball. And then I think Manning can try to feed off of that a little bit, but it's very hard to know what exactly we have on our hands here going into the, the weekend, and that just kind of has another layer of intrigue to this whole thing. Oh, yeah, and it's funny because it, it seems like it's on the other side of the coin. It's the same thing with Roethlisberger. No one knows what to expect. I think everybody, uh, to a T, pretty much says Ben's going to play. I don't think there's a doubt. I think uh, if I could say from most likely to play to least likely, the order goes Ben, Brown, D'Angelo, even though D'Angelo kind of controls that and Brown doesn't. Brown has to pass concussion protocol tests, which he's 0 for 2 so far this week with regard to trying to practice and taking those tests. I just think Williams' foot, if it hasn't gotten better by now, two weeks after he injured it, it's not going to get immaculately better in, in a couple of days. But So, there, yeah, I think there's there's definitely questions on both sides, you know. And Ben mm-hmm. even said uh, yesterday, if I can't throw the ball 
you know, 25 to 30 yards with comfort against that defense, which is number one in the league, uh, number one, especially two against the pass, I'm not going to try to play. I'm going to, that's a disservice to, to my team. So let's keep the ball on, on as we do our uh, breakdown here on the Steel Conversation. Ian McHugh, Brian Diardo here breaking down the Steelers-Broncos game. Let's talk about when Denver has the ball against the Steelers' defense. And a, a key statistic that you mentioned, Ian, was the Manning's throwing 17 picks this year. And, you know, for all of the Steelers' defense's faults this season, you know, uh, one of the worst in the league, I think they finished 30th in yards allowed or 30th to 31st. So either way, one of the worst. Uh, they are one of the better units in terms of getting turnovers. And Antoine Blake, probably the, the most criticized stealer this season outside of Landry Jones, um, had an interception uh, in the Steelers' first playoff win of the year. Ross Cockrell, who also has been heavily criticized, a uh, cornerback that we picked up via free agency right before the start of the season because we just had no depth at corner, had a fumble recovery. Uh, you know, Ryan Shazier, another guy that's been criticized and was called injury-prone earlier in his career, had 13 tackles, uh, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery, uh, and, and pretty much saved the Steelers' season with the second fumble recovery or forced fumble of Jordan Hill on Saturday. So, you know, uh, I guess you know, where I'm getting at, Ian, is I think for the Steelers, it, this does bode well in, in terms of, of their advantages on defense, is that if they can get to Manning, which they have 48 sacks this year, which is top five in the league, and they can force some of those turnovers if Manning decides to test the Steelers' secondary early and often, the Steelers have success, but, and this is the key, but if Denver can get that running game going, uh, which will be a you know, really a polar opposite approach against the Steelers than what they had a month ago with Osweiler where they just came out guns blazing and, and just throwing the football with reckless abandon, uh, especially mm-hmm. with Emmanuel Sanders, then the Steelers' defense is going to be in trouble. Do you see that that's going to be how Denver tries to attack the Steelers' defense, just you know, run the football, and if John Elway – John Elway. Wow, Peyton Manning pick up some first downs, all have a chance to win. I was I was going back to Elway's the end of his reign when when he won that I was one say they're not that Davis far when he just had to anymore, play game manager. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I do think that that's certainly part of the strategy, and I think that's always part of the strategy with Kubiak. He just kind of runs the, I guess you'd call it an old school offense. You know, he still very much believes in the run game and then kind of keeping things even. He doesn't want to throw 50 passes a game. He doesn't want to run the ball, you know, 45 times a game. So he wants to keep things fairly equal, and that's great in theory, but obviously it hasn't always worked out that way. The running game has been really spotty this year. They've had great games. Like, they played very well against the, the Chargers, aside from the fumbles. Um, just from a, you know, from a running perspective, there were a lot of lanes, and, and guys were taking advantage of that. But at the same time, you know, there's other teams this season where they finished with, like, 50 or 60 rushing yards. So it's been very up and down, and it's kind of one of those questions of, like, which, you know, which guys are we going to get this weekend? Now, I don't really think that you pin that on C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman. Sure, they have a role in it, but I think the the bigger issue here is the offensive line, which has really been pretty poor all season. They haven't been consistent. They haven't been good in pass protection or run blocking, and I really think that's held up the offense in a lot of ways. Um you know, the Broncos lost their left tackle, Ryan Clady, a Pro Bowl guy in May during OTAs. So that was kind of the initial blow. Then Ty Sembrello, they brought him in as their left tackle. He was a second-round pick in this year's draft. He was playing pretty well, but he only made it through three games before he suffered a shoulder injury at the end of his season. So it's really been kind of a hodgepodge unit, in and out, in and out. They've toyed around with the starting lineup a little bit. 
Um, they even kind of have like a seven-man rotation going on up front. So you'll see different guys play, especially at the guard spots and right tackle as well. Um, so that's, to me, where everything starts is up front. And I do think that the Steelers' defense could really be a problem for them. Like you said, they have a lot of sacks. That's been a huge weakness of that offensive line, giving up quick sacks. And Manning's obviously not a mobile guy. And, uh, and you know, they, they have fast linebackers, too. Guys are going to get to the ball quickly, and that could be a problem for the running game. So I, I think turnovers are absolutely something to watch here. And then on top of that, you know, how how well can these Steelers defenders hold up against the run, and are they just going to kind of destroy the offensive line the way that some other teams have this year? I mean, if you, uh, you know, watched or saw – any part of the Raiders game earlier this season, Khalil Mack had five sacks on Michael Schofield, the right tackle. That just kind of gives you an idea of how bad they played at certain points this year. So although it's easy to put the criticism on Manning or the running backs, and they do deserve you know, a solid portion of that, you also have to look at the help they're getting from their offensive linemen, and that could be a key battle on Sunday. Oh, yeah. And, and when you look back at the last game, Denver was able to run uh, with some success, and they had 104 yards rushing on 25 carries at the healthy 4.2 yards per carry average. Steelers' defense this year was was uh, leaps and bounds better than they were the year before when they averaged over 4.0 yards per carry, allowed under 4.0 yards per carry on the season. So I think that's going to be a huge thing when Denver has the ball. Can they uh, keep Manning out of those third and long situations? Can they run the ball against the Steelers' defense? And can the Steelers' defense be up to snuff against Denver's rushing attack? Well, now let's go on the other side of the ball where, where this could change in you know, right away if Ben can't play or whatnot. But let's, let's assume that he is going to play. Uh, Williams, let's just assume, is not. And then with A.B., I think that that's really going to be the main question mark because we know Ben's going to play most likely, and, and Williams probably not. Uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint and Jordan Todman did pretty well. Um, well, they did very well in the wild card game, 123 yards on 28 carries between them. And Fitzgerald actually had, uh, you know, a decent day uh, catching passes out of the backfield, caught a key third down pass on Pittsburgh's game-winning drive against Cincinnati. Um, the Steelers' uh, rushing attack did nothing against Denver uh, last time out. D'Angelo only had 16 uh, yards rushing. But the one thing that the Steelers' dual backfield does, they can attack you in different ways. Todman is uh, the, the definition of, a, of an outside runner. He'll balance everything outside. Toussaint is the definition of a, of a grinder, a physical back. Um, is there one style that's had more success than the other in terms of trying to run the ball against Denver who has a good rush defense, Ian, or have they pretty much been able to stop anything that's been thrown at them? Yeah, I mean, nothing, you know, stands out to me. I would say maybe going outside, guys have had a little more success because I think Denver's offensive line is just really underrated. They have two outstanding defensive ends in Derek Wolf and Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson's really had an outstanding season, um, and their nose tackle, Sylvester Williams, is pretty good too. And then their inside linebackers, another kind of group that I think is underrated, with Brandon Marshall and Danny Trevathan. Both guys had over 100 tackles. They're just stout. You know, they're just very solid, very steady. They're not going to generally give up big runs, uh, whether they go inside or outside. But, you know, if I if, if I had to choose a side there, I'd say that outside's probably had more success. Um, I just think that, you know, they're not the fastest crew ever, and so that you can kind of burn them around the edge a little bit. But, um, you know, that's 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 part of it, um, and and the like you said, you know, the key thing here is Antonio Brown going to play because to me that is just such right. such a difference maker, and you saw how badly he tore them up in uh, in that first meeting. There's been no other receiver 
this year that's even come close to putting on the kind of show that Antonio Brown did against this defense. And I think the Broncos made a mistake by trusting Chris Harris to cover him one-on-one for almost the whole game. It's just I think he's too good for that. You know, as good as Chris Harris is and as, as confident as Wade Phillips is in that secondary, I don't think they're going to leave him one-on-one nearly as much as they did in that game. I think they're, you're going to see a little bit more conservative defense. They're still going to rush the passer a lot and stuff like that, but given the way he just kind of ran over them, in the especially in the second half there, I don't see how they could do that again. But, you know, that is just such a big thing to me because, like I said, I haven't seen another receiver do anything close to what Antonio Brown did against that passing defense. It's the top-rated passing defense in the league. So the question becomes, you know, if, if he doesn't play, then – who do they go to? Maybe somebody else can break out. Maybe Martavis Bryant or Marcus Wheaton can do something, but they're not Antonio Brown. And so that's why that's such a big question mark right now. And, uh, you know, it seems like people genuinely don't know if he's going to play at this point. We're only three days away from the game, but it's a big, big unanswered question. Right. It's funny because, you know, when you, when I keep hearing out of the Steelers camp that, that, that players and people are optimistic that he's going to play, but he keeps failing these concussion tests, and it's one of those things. This is not, this is not an objective decision. Whether it's, it's black and white, he passed the test, he plays. He doesn't pass, he doesn't play. Um, but one thing uh, that you can Steelers fans can, can kind of rest their caps on is that the Steelers do have arguably the deepest with Denver, the deepest uh, receiving unit in football. Where I'm, I'm going to assume that Akib Talib is again going to cover Mark Davis as he did back in Week 15. That puts. Uh, Chris Harris against uh, Marcus Wheaton, who has really come on strong this year. Uh, you know, defenses have, have attacked the Steelers a couple of different ways uh, with, uh, you know, the challenge that Bryant and Brown, uh, you know, will throw at you. And, and one way is double teaming those two and forcing the Steelers to go over the middle with Wheaton and Heath Miller and a running back. Uh, or, which is what Baltimore did, you know, you pretty much only rush three and you have five or six defensive backs on the field at a time, which, Really, that was the only defense that really tried it against the Steelers, and it worked. Um, you know, but the main one has been double team Brown and Bryant, and uh, or single. You know, that's been the main one. Or what Denver did, which is guard the man on man, which most people can't do. Martavis came out today and said that he assumes that Denver's going to do the same thing. They're just going to go man on man. Uh, do you do you agree? I do. I, I don't see any reason why Denver's defense would change their approach against the Steelers. Yeah, I think if they don't have Antonio Brown, you could expect a lot of man-on-man. But if they do, I think they have to double more and just be a little more conservative because you can't get beaten that badly by one guy and then turn around three weeks, a month later, and say, oh, I think it'll work out this time. I think that's just stupid. Um, But, you know, you never know, I guess. But if Brown plays, I would certainly expect them to change it up a little bit. If he doesn't, yeah, I would would expect a lot of man coverage, a lot of single coverage, and they'll do what's worked for them the whole year because – it worked against just about – I mean, they had their moments here and there, but generally it worked against almost everyone except Antonio Brown. So, you know, at that point I think you kind of hedge your bets and say, okay, let's let's roll. You know, he's not here. Let's just roll what we've been doing. And that obviously frees up more guys to rush the passer, to, to do other things, to stay in the box, to do things that can help other aspects of the defense. So they do have a lot of trust in their cornerbacks, there's no doubt. And, they're, you know, that trust has been well-earned. There's two Pro Bowl guys right there. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what they do. But I remember talking about that before the first time these two teams met and we kind of said the same thing. They'll play man to man. They did. And it didn't go well. So, um, so I think Antonio Brown's going to have a big impact on which way they go on that, that matter. 
Right, and I, and I think the key is going to be uh, Marcus Wheaton. If he's gone, if Antonio Brown's gone, I think you can expect the same type of performance that Martavis Bryant's been giving the Steelers lately. He hasn't had a monster game in a long time. I think his, his last big game, Martavis Bryant speaking, uh, was against the Browns back in Week 10. He hasn't had a 100-yard game since. So, to me, it's it's a little bit more from Bryant, but a lot more from Wheaton uh and he's Miller. Wheaton's shown he can be great. He had over 200 yards against Seattle uh, back in week 12 when uh, when Seattle double-teamed the Antonio Brown and Bryant. So he has proven in the past that he can be the big man on campus if the Steelers need him to be, and he might have to do that again uh, on Sunday. So we're running out of show. Less than two minutes left. Ian, uh, what's your prediction for Sunday's game? Yeah, I, I think uh, just because of the injuries, I'm going to go with the Broncos. I'll say – 24-20. I think it'll be very close. I don't think it'll be especially high scoring. And I've been telling people all week I'd not be surprised if the Broncos lost this game. And if uh, if if Big Ben was closer to himself and I knew Antonio Brown was playing, I'd pick the Steelers to win. That's how close I feel like it is. Uh, you know, you look at the seeds and you say the Broncos are the top seed, but that doesn't tell the whole story. So, um, you know, I think they're a dangerous team. They showed that the first time around. The Broncos can't turn the ball over, and if they they do that, I think they'll be able to hold on here and make it to the championship game. Okay, okay, I respect that, and it's a good prediction. I'm going to go 20 to 16 Steelers uh, for two reasons. A, that's the score when they beat the the Colts in the AFC title game 20 years ago to this day. So I'm going to go with some historical references there. Also, this is the eighth time they're playing in the playoffs, which ties an NFL record: Denver and Steelers. I, I just think for the Steelers. Um, they're going to, uh, you know, their offense is going to be very simple, pound the rock with Todman, uh, Toussaint, uh, play possession ball, which they've done and had success in the past with Heath, with Wheaton. Defensively, you know, this season for the Steelers has been one of the craziest seasons ever where, where you, as soon as you think you know everything, uh, it turns out you know nothing. I think the Steelers' defense is going to try to play out of their minds. I think they're going to have their best game of the season. I think they're going to – they have good matchups. This is not one of the greatest defenses I've ever seen, far from it. But matchup-wise – uh, they have some advantages. They can get to Manning. They can force turnovers. If they do those things and hold the Broncos in the red zone, the Steelers could have success and shock the number one seed again for the second time in the last 10 years, 20 to 16 Steelers. Premier Houston, Brian Diardo, thanks for listening. Enjoy the game Sunday. And as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.